So today's daf is Lamed Dalid in Psachim. We are on Lamed Gimel Amud Bet, about seven lines from the, uh, or six, seven lines from the uh, from the bottom. Gufa at the end of the line. Madikino Padav Hashem Shal Nitmet. So you're allowed to uh, use for kindling only. Bread and oil of truma that became tamay. So we know that the bre- that obviously truma first of all can only be used by a kohen, and that normally a kohen is going to eat the truma. But if it becomes tamay, he doesn't have to throw it away. He can use it for kindling. We said that there was an issue about the possibility of takala, which means that maybe he's going to end up uh, coming to eat it and consume it normally if he leaves it around. So therefore, he has to put the oil in a bad cup, or he has to put the uh, bread with the firewood so he doesn't confuse it with uh, food and eat it. So abaya uh, so they said that this, so Abaye said, and then Rava said, reporting from Dvei Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Marta, and then Ravuna, that this is only true about bread, but actual wheat of Truma that became Tamei, he cannot leave it around, because because maybe he's going to end up eating it, since, uh, even if he throws it, the point is like, like when you have fresh produce, or like wheat, apples, whatever, and they get dirty, you so just wash it. Right, so bread, if you throw it among the firewood, you're not going to go and say, oh, that's a nice piece of bread in the firewood, I'm going to go eat it, because now you're not, you can't clean bread, you can't, so it's going to be garbage, but if you take, uh, if you take wheat, so wheat, you just rinse it off, no problem, you can still use it, so the fact that you threw it with the firewood is not going to make it, uh, you know, it's not going to make it distasteful to you, you still might come to eat it, and therefore, uh, you wouldn't be able to save that tamechita. Uh, so Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan says, no, you can even save the, even if the wheat kernels themselves became tamay and they were, and they were truma, you could still keep them around and we're not worried that you're going to come to eat it. So why not? So Dilma Amai, Nechosh Dilma Ateli Takala, why doesn't he agree with the other rabbis that you have a concern that the person will make a mistake and will eat them since after all, even if he puts them in a gross place, he can still come and wash them and, uh, and, and, and eat them anyway. So so we're going to see what, what context Ravashi said, but he said, this is the same as what Ravashi answered, that after it became Tamei, Rashi says, he boiled them up and then threw them among the Etzim. So in other words, if he wets it, if he boils it, if he cooked already the wheat, and then he throws it in like a garbage place, like imagine that, let's say an apple, if you had apples and they fell in the garbage by accident. Okay, let's say apples on your counter, they fell in the garbage. So you take them out, you wash it. You can wash off the, uh, the apples and you can still eat it. But if cooked stuff falls in the garbage, you're not going to take the cooked, uh, o- you know, uh, oatmeal pasta because it sticks to it and, you know, the gar- you, you can't wash it. So it's, he's saying if it was cooked, that's where he says you could keep it around because if you throw it in, in other words, if this, uh, these wheat kernels be- were cooked already, they became tamay and they were cooked, and then you threw them among the wood, there's no way you're going to go retrieve that. It would be like if you retrieved like cooked pasta out of the, uh, out of the garbage. You're not going to do that. And so therefore we don't have to worry about, wor- about eating it. But fresh, seemingly, even Rabbi Yochanan would say that if it's totally fresh since you could just wash it off there's no way to uh, make sure that it won't you won't come to eat it okay so it's saying the same uh, same answer that and uh, and and so the, and Ravuna, however, the other rabbis who disagreed with Rabbi Yochanan said that maybe in the process of boiling it or in the process uh, or uh, before he gets to boil it he's going to come to eat it so that's why they say get rid of it right away in other words, Rabbi Yochanan is saying you, even after these, these, this wheat became tamay, you could still salvage it because you can boil it and then throw it in with the firewood and then you can use it for firewood. 
But according to the other rabbis, we're worried that between the time that it became tamay and between the time that you end up uh, throwing it into the uh, firewood, you're going to end up eating it. So that's why they don't allow you to do it. And where was it that Ravashi made this distinction about boiled or you know cooked wheat versus fresh? That uh, it, it was on a different teaching that Rabbi Avin Bar said, and then Rabbi Yitzchak Abba Shaul Gabal Shel Beit Rabbiya. So uh, Abba Shaul was like the uh, chef, okay, in the house of Rabbi. He would uh, he would he would do some cooking there, and uh, and what happened was and they would cook up, in other words, they would use trumatmea, impure truma, as the firewood, basically, under the pot to heat up the water, and then they would use that water in order to prepare pure um, dough. Now, the, the, the point is that a lot of people, as we learned a lot, well, we learned several times uh, earlier in, uh, in Masechet Shabbat, we learned that in other places, that there were, uh, there were rabbis who held um, what's called, they, were, they kept chulin betara, they kept even their non um, their non sacred food on the level of of the tara of uh, of truma or on the level of the tara even of kodesh. They kept like they kept the laws of truma v'tara in their house. Okay, so Rebbe was one of those people. So when he would have any kind of a any kind of a dough, he would first make sure that it was prepared according to the rules of tara, and they weren't worried that the fact that they used truma as the fire would under the pot would uh, would be a problem. That they weren't worried about. Now the, the, the Tosafot asks here, well, how exactly can you do that because you're destroying the because Rabbi was not a Kohen. So how was he allowed to do that? You know, so there's a whole discussion about, uh, you, know, how, you know, why was he allowed to do that uh, altogether? Uh, maybe there were a lot of Kohanim there, or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there were a lot of Kohanim in his household. Uh, different answers to that. But leaving that aside, the main point was that he was using, um, he was actually using chitin shel trumat mea. He was using the wheat kernels. And we, just before we had a debate about whether you could use wheat kernels. And the other rabbis were saying you can't keep wheat kernels that are tamay and use them for firewood because you might eat them. So how come they could do that? So it says, Why wasn't he worried that somebody would eat them? So The answer was, that was where Ravashi gave this chidush. He said there's a difference between fresh wheat kernels, where if they are tamay and you leave them around in the state of freshness, it would be a problem, versus... Um, wheat kernels that became uh, tamay and you cook them because if you cook them up so now they're much more sensitive to be if you put them together with the firewood after that then you'll be able to say that you're not going to come to eat them and that was where Rav Ashi said that idea so Rabbi Yochanan saying I agree with that idea that's what I'm applying as well this is all Rashi's interpretation there's another interpretation that means that no not that uh, not that they became tamay and then you boil them that's too dangerous it means that if they were already boiled and then they became tamay it's okay and that's why, because there was never a chance to, uh, you know, it wasn't like you had to do a process to them in order to make them unfit for, uh, or more sensitive to dirt and more sensitive to being ruined. Either way, the point is that there's a difference between fresh and cooked. Now, um, the Abaye Baravin, Chananya Baravin, Tanut Rumot Berabah. So it happened to be that Abaye Baravin and Rav Chananya Baravin both learned Masachet Trumot in the Yeshiva of Rabbah, a very illustrious uh, teacher. And Pagabahu Ravabar Matana. So what happens when you learn with a very illustrious teacher a subject that's a very specialized subject? Everyone wants to know, so what did you learn that we didn't learn? You know, what was the big chidush that you had that we didn't have? We want to know. So they ran into Ravabar Matana. Marlo, he said to them, Mayam Rito Trumot. So what was your big chidush in Trumot? You know, tell us what 
you uh, what you have to say. So a uh, devemor, you know, from the, for the yeshiva of the great master Rabbah, that he what he teach you that was so so amazing. Amulei. So they said to him, Omayakashelach, what was your problem? Meaning they weren't saying it in a rude way. They meant like you know what answer were you looking for? Like the, you know you're asking us what we learned. So what was the area in Trumot that you wanted clarity? Maybe we learned it, and I can share some uh, clarifying uh, insights from it. And he said, Amalehu. He said to them, you know what bothered me was this. If you have like stalks of Truma, meaning like cabbage stalks or whatever vegetables um, that became Tamei, they were Truma and they became Tamei, and then you stuck them back in the ground. Okay, like you t- they took the cabbage and put it back in the ground. So it says, They will not convey Truma anymore, but they cannot be eaten. In other words, even if, so if you plant them and they take root in the ground again, okay, the tum- they will, and then you take them out, so they won't make other things Tamei, but you still can't eat them. Right? So I said, My problem was, if you're saying that by replanting these items, they lose, the, they can no longer convey Tumat to other things, so that means they're not Tamei anymore. So why can't you eat them? What's the problem? That's what bothered me. Did you learn anything about that? We'd like to know. We don't know yet because he didn't answer yet. Let's see. You're right that there is an gidulei truma you're talking about. You're thinking of something else. You're thinking of that when you take the seeds of the truma and you replant it, that you know, or you you take you know, and and then you make new plant, you make new plants yeah. from it because they said that then people will just do that and they will never, uh, yeah, that, that's uh, this right. This is different because it's talking about taking the item itself, not the seeds. Oh. We're taking the item itself and putting it right back in the ground to make it become tahor again. Oh, well, so, if, yeah. if, if the wheat is not detached from the thing, how can you... He you did. He, he det- it's talking about like vegetable, like a cabbage. Oh. It says, right? So he took a piece of cabbage. It became... It, he gave it as truma that Kohen has it and it became tamay. So the Kohen says, well, I don't want to burn this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm planting it back in the ground. You could replant it in the ground to grow more. So you plant it back in the ground. It's some vegetable you can plant directly back in the ground. Right? So he planted it back in the ground to grow some more. So he said... So now it, it says it's not going to, now if he pulls it out, it won't have the tumav before to convey tumah to other things. But you can't eat it still. It, just like he couldn't eat it before, meaning he can't save eating it. So why not? So it says, This is what said. It doesn't mean that the Kohen can't eat it. The Kohen can eat it. But it means that non-Kohanim can't eat it. Meaning it doesn't erase the status of tumah. If you replant it, it just erases the tum'ah, but not the fact that it's tum'ah. So that means a non-Kohen cannot eat it. A Kohen could eat it now because now it's tum'ah tahorah. So it says, ah, umayka So what's the chidush? What are you trying to tell me that's so new here? It says, gidule tum'ah tum'ah. You just want to tell me that gidule tum'ah is the same as tum'ah, that even if they, you put tum'ah back in the ground and it grows some more, that it's still considered tum'ah. That's a chidush. Tanina, we learned that already. Gidule tum'ah tum'ah. We already learned that. In Masachet Tumah, we know that already. V'chitem. So you're telling me you learned a big chidushim from this teacher, but I don't see it. Right? He says, V'chitem ha-gidule, gidula, gidulin. There's a difference. Now, the way that Rashi explains the difference between gidulim and gidule, gidulim, is he says, gidulim means you put the item back in the ground and it grows more. The same stock grows more. Okay, that's how Rashi, I'm just going to stick with Rashi. It's simpler. Okay? You put the same stock and it grows more. That additional growth is also Tumah. But more than that, if sometimes you plant something and then its roots extend, then another thing comes out of the ground from the original, right? Yeah. So if that happens, that's called gidule gidulim, wow. okay? Uh, it's totally new. It was never there before, but it derived from the original one. So it says, maybe gidule gidulim, umay kamashmalan. And what do you want? You're going to tell me gidule gidulim, right? So umay kamashmalan, but davar she'en kale. Since the original thing didn't disappear... Right? So it's still there. So whatever derives from it also. In other words, if you took the seed and you put it in the ground, disappeared completely and new things came up, that would be different. 
Okay, that maybe it's only the Rabbanan, maybe whatever. It's a whole other thing. Right? But if you, if you put this in and it doesn't disappear, the original piece is still there, but it has offshoots that grow out. So you're going to say that that's the Chidush. It says, Hanami Tanini, we learned that too. A tevel gidulav mutarin. We learned that tevel, if you put untithed produce, you had tevel. Okay? In other words, you, you completely processed the produce. So it became obligated in all the Truman Maser and everything. And then you would plant it in the ground again. Okay? So then it grows again. It says, Mutarin, Bidavar Shezaro Kale. If you took these seeds were, were, were tevil and you planted them back in the ground and now, and those <laughs> seeds disintegrate and new plant grows. Okay? So it says that is considered totally new. It's not tevel anymore. What's the difference? You still have, so what's the difference if it's tevel or not? So the difference is that when you take grain and you're, in, you're processing it, so you're allowed up to the point where it's completely processed to like take a snack. You could take like a little taste of it as you're working and all that. But once it's completely smoothed out and finished, you totally finished the pile, it's complete. So now, you, now it's tevel, you can't touch it. You can't take even a snack. You can't take anything. Right? So what, if you take that now and you plant it in the ground again, it starts all over again. So, if it gr- so you took those, let's say there's seeds of it or whatever you put in the ground, and they grow new plants, and now you, col- now you collect that and you gather it. While you're collecting together, you could snack from it again. Okay? Mm-hmm. But then once you smooth it out into a new pile, now it becomes like tevil again. In other words, the s- process starts all over again. It says, well, we know that already. We know about tevil, that if you could still see the original stock that you put in, and it just has offshoots, uh, as long as that original thing didn't disappear, all these offshoots have the same status as that tevil. So that tevil you can't take a snack from, and you can't take a snack from any extensions. Only if you took seeds or whatever that were tevil and put them in the ground and they disappeared, and a new thing comes. So that's a different story. So we know this rule already. You're telling me that Truma is the same as Tevel. So tell me something I don't know already. I want to hear something new. So it says, Ishtiku, they didn't know what to tell them. Tell them. So now whenever that happens to you, you always think the other guy knows something you don't. You know, because like, why is he giving me a hard time? He's like, you know, he knows something. So it's so, okay, do you have any answer for this? You're testing us. We failed the test because we couldn't give you a convincing answer. So did you hear? He says, yeah. I heard the opposite of what you heard. Not that if you take Truman, you plant it, that Truman Tameyan, you plant it, that it's Asul Zarim. The non Kohanim are not allowed to have it because it's still Truman, but it loses its Tum'ah. That's not what I heard. I heard that no, it's Asura Fil Kohanim. Even the Kohanim can eat it. Totally new idea. He said, what is the reason why the Truman becomes, imp- becomes invalid? Not because. Uh, it, it isn't, um, it doesn't lose. In other words, it's, it's not that it's, um, like we said before, um, the Tum'ah itself, it can't be mitame other things, right? It cannot transmit Tum'ah to other things. But we said that they can't eat it. Why can't they eat it? Because they failed in the idea of Mishmeret. There's an idea of Mishmeret that you have to guard the Tum'ah. If you don't guard the Tum'ah, it becomes Pasul. Okay? And that itself is the Pasul. Because since they planted it in the ground, that means they're not sitting there watching it 24 hours a day. So then it is still truma, which means not, neither, certainly non-Kohanim are not allowed to eat it. Even the Kohanim can't eat it. Not because of the initial status of the tumah that it had, because they planted it in the ground. Not because of that, but because 
they didn't watch it. They stopped watching it. And Tumar requires Shmirah. You have to guard it all the time. Okay? And that's the reason. So now the Gemara says, Hanicha lemanda amares hachadat pesulagufave Shapir said, if you hold like the opinion that hesachadat, which means not paying attention, not focusing, not guarding it, is an intrinsic invalidation. Once it's not guarded properly, it's abandoned, it's left, then it's going to be intrinsically invalid. So fine, then that makes sense. That it's not going to convey tumat to other things. Okay, the tumah is gone. That's what it's saying, but it's going to be invalid. Fine, but But according to the one that says no, the only issue with when you don't guard it is that you can't back up that it is not tamei. You can't back up that it didn't become tamei. So then, uh, so then there's there's no difference really between the two things because it still should be tamei. as we learned. Okay, the question is, is it an intrinsic invalidation? In other words, lack of Shmirah equals Pasul. That's it. Don't ask any questions what happened when you weren't watching it. That's not the issue. Lack of Shmirah means Pasul. According to Rabbi, according to Rish Lakish, that's the, that's the concept. According to Rabbi Yochanan, no, it's Pasul Tumah. Since you weren't watching, maybe the thing became Tameh. You don't know what happened. So, Rabbi Yochanan, Pasul Tumah, Havei, She'im Yavo Eliyahu V'yitarena Shom Inlo. What's the practical difference? If Eliyahu Navi comes and says, nothing happened to that Tumah when you weren't looking at it, I say, oh, great. So that means it's Tahor and everything is wonderful. But, according to Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Omer Pasul Aguv, Havei, She'im Yavo Eliyahu V'yitarena in Shom Inlo. It doesn't matter what happened when I wasn't looking according to Rish Lakish. The mere fact that you failed to watch it is what invalidates it. It has to be guarded. That doesn't mean the coin has to stay up night and day in his house watching a trauma. It means if you put it in the field, you're definitely uh, removing your mind from it. You remove your mind from it. You, you know, there was nobody who, uh, it wasn't uh, under any kind of a supervision at all. So then it becomes pasul automatically, according to Rish Lakish. According to Rabbi Yochanan, it just creates in our mind a safik what happened when we weren't looking. If Eliyahu Navi came and told us, or if we had video camera, shows us 24 hour video camera, we would go and look, see, nothing happened. So that would be fine. That's mitziut. It's a question of, of, of reality, what happened. According to Rish Lakish, it's not a question of what happened, it's an automatic. Pesul. That's the, that would be the issue. So they, so like Rashi says, So he explains how this connects to our case. In other words, when it originally became Tamei, okay, So he immediately gave up watching it, and that was the reason. In other words, it wasn't so much that he put it in the ground. It was the fact that he said, you know what, I'm just going to stick it back in the ground, is saying I'm abandoning it, basically. I'm not going to watch it anymore. Right, the original one. So that's what makes it a problem. Now, according to, according to, uh, and, and that would be the difference. So now, the question, we're, we're, we'll come back to the original case. But meanwhile, they're going to deal with this problem. There was a little area between the ramp of the Mizbech and the Mizbech itself, on the western side of the ramp, which means, Co- closer to the Kodesh Kodashim because the way the ramp went was that your side, your left side was, you know, you would see the Kodesh Kodashim there. So on that side, what they would do is that if they had any kind of a invalidation, since that was the port point of the uh, the southwest point where they would do the Chatat of they would do the sin offerings of birds. So if there was any in- questionable questionable invalidation, they would drop it there into this little area and to means they would leave it overnight. So it became definitely Pasul and then they would burn it. 
Because as long as it's a safek, if it's pasul, they can't burn it. So we'll leave it overnight to make it definitely pasul. Now he said like this. So he said to him, I don't understand. According to me, it makes sense. I'm the one who says that if you are not paying attention to something, the concern is maybe impurity was contracted when you weren't paying attention. And so therefore, you threw this thing on the side of the Mizbeach into this little area, and basically you're not paying attention. You don't know what happened. You don't know what happened before, and you don't know what happened now. Right? Now, the, the, so therefore you have to leave it overnight till it's definitely pasul. But according to you, that the mere fact you weren't paying attention is enough to make it pasul, so then this thing is automatically pasul. Why do you have to wait overnight? It's automatically pasul. And Rashi, I believe, explains it here. He says, um, uh, where was it? Right, so he says, if the, if it is, he says that, uh, if you don't say that, uh, that, uh, where, where does it start? So he says, it's not talking about any other kind of uh, invalidation, because any clear invalidation would, you wouldn't have to wait, you, you burn it right away. So the, they're assuming the invalidation is that somebody was neglecting it and left it and abandoned it and it wasn't paying attention. So Rabbi Yochanan says, because they weren't paying attention, that's why they have to leave it over to the next day because they're not sure what happened. According to Rish Lakish, it should be automatically pasul. Why, since it wasn't being paid attention to, so it's automatically pasul, what's the problem? So, we learned in the Mishnah, Right? Anything that is pasul begufo, an intrinsic invalidation, and according to Rish Lakish, that includes, if you weren't paying attention to it, automatically it becomes pasul. So, so then, why can't they burn it right away? If it's something with the owners, meaning that the owners became tamay and can't eat their korban Pesach, for example, or the blood, something went wrong with the blood, but the flesh itself of the korban is still fine, so then we have to leave it till the next day, it becomes notar and we burn it, because there's nothing wrong with the flesh itself. There's something wrong with the owners, there's something wrong with the blood, that's a different story. But anything intrinsic, you burn right away. So according to Rish Lakish, the mere fact that I wasn't looking means this is intrinsically possible. There's nothing else to discuss. It's not like we're going to clarify Eliyahu and Avi is going to come or anything like that. It's, there's nothing to clarify. So then, why don't they burn it right away? So he says, He'll say to you, that tana, you, you have to realize, that's, the, that's a different opinion. That's a different opinion over there. That's, that's the According to him, even pigul, even intrinsic psulim, intrinsic invalidations, have to, you have to leave them over to the next day. That's the reason why over there it says that they would throw the chatata off and wait until the next day until they would burn it. Meaning you're right. It's talking about a chatata off. It's talking about a, burnt, a, a sin offering bird that was neglected and therefore it's pasul. I would say you burn it right away. Right? But the tana over there is holding that any kind of invalidation, we always wait till the next day. Even an invalidation that's clear, like pigul, which is where you have the wrong intention for the wrong time, which is like the worst invalidation, the invalidation of the thought. So even there he says you have to leave it over to the next day. So he's, that, that, Mishnah, that right there, you can't learn anything from it. Because that Tana is following a view that is, uh, you know, that is not the accepted view. But according to me, yes, once you neglect something, you can burn it right away. Because it's psul aguf. It's intrinsic psul. So now he says, okay, Another objection. 
if the meat becomes tamay or it becomes invalidated, whatever that means, okay? And this is from Asachat Zvachim. We learned it before. It went outside the curtains, which really means that it went outside the Bet HaMikdash. So we're talking about Kodesh HaKodashim. Things that are Kodesh HaKodashim, that once they leave the Bet HaMikdash, become Pasul. Okay, Rabbi Eliezer Omer Yizrok. Rabbi Eliezer says you could still throw the blood even though the meat uh, exited. Rabbi Yosho Omer, Lo Yizrok. Rabbi Yosho says you can't because once the meat became invalid, you can't throw the blood anymore. Okay? Now, Rabbi Yosho, and, 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 Rabbi Yosho zarak, However, even Rabbi Yosho agrees that, if they did throw the blood, the Korban will be accepted, even though the flesh was invalidated, because we have an idea that the tzitz of the Kohen Gadol is miratzel korbanot. So it, it causes the Korbanot to be accepted even when there's an invalidation. So if the blood was thrown, okay, but the Chatchila, what should you do? Rabbi Eliezer says you could throw the blood, no problem. Rabbi Yosho says no. Now the question is, what does it mean, nifsal? Right? Because it uses the examples there. Nitma, impure, we know that. Okay? It says, It went out. We know what that is. But what's nifsal? What kind of nifsal is it? What kind of in- <coughs> invalidation? Right? So, my nifsal, doesn't it mean that it's talking about where the person wasn't paying attention? Okay? And Rashi says that, uh, bit, it, this is in shock. This is in There's no other kind of invalidation. Right? So the only invalidation left that we could say is that they weren't paying attention to it, to the meat. That's what it means. So it says, Now what kind of invalidation is covered by the tzitz of the Kohen Gadol? Only Tum'ah, so then Tum'ah would be covered, right? If, it's, if the only issue is maybe it became Tamei. Like Rabbi Yochanan is saying, when you didn't pay attention, the problem is that maybe it became Tamei. It's not just the fact that you didn't pay attention. It's what might have happened in the interim when you were paying attention. So if you say that, then it makes sense it would be covered by the tzitz because the tzitz could cover for Tum'ah. But, but according to Reish Lakish, it's a totally different type of invalidation. The mere fact that you weren't paying attention is the invalidation, not what happened in the interim. It's not Tum'ah at all. So how can the Tzitz cover for it? The Tzitz can only cover for Tamei things. So, Amayurza. So, so therefore, Resh Lakish has to have an explanation. She says, My Nifsal. Nifsal betful yom. It's not talking about that it became Pasul from Hesachadat. You're right. Because according to me, not paying attention is a different category of invalidation that would not be covered by the Tzitz. You're right. The only thing is, this is not talking about that. When it says Nifsal, it means a Tivul Yom touched it. What's a Tivul Yom? That's a person who went to the Mikveh that day. But they didn't finish their evening. In other words, that was the day they were becoming Tahor, so they have two ingredients. They have to go to the Mikveh, they have to wait till the end of the day. Tevul Yom means they went to Tevila that day, but they didn't finish. It's a lower level of Tum'ah. They could convey Tum'ah that they, they touched it. So, but wait a second. But that's the same thing as Tamei. It says, no, there's two different variations. So it talks about something that's Tamei from a primary source of Tum'ah. talks about something that's Tamei from a Tevul Yom. Okay, I'll, but my my position still stands, says Rosh Lakish, that there is a pesul, a separate invalidation called Hesachadat. Uh, it doesn't have to do with Tum'ah directly. It's just the fact that it, you need to have attention on the Korban the whole time. If you don't have attention, you withdraw your attention, that's, uh, that's going to invalidate. So now the Gemara says that it tells us a little story here. Kisalik Ravin, when Ravin went to Israel, he told this whole discussion here to Rabbi Yirmiya, that Rabbi Sheshit said that the reason why that truma that they planted in the ground cannot be eaten, even though it loses its tumah when they plant it in the ground, because you see that it doesn't convey tumah to other things, is because they distracted their attention from it. 
right? Now that actually makes sense, really, according to Reish Lakish only. It's not really going to make sense according to Rabbi Yochanan, because according to Rabbi Yochanan, the, 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 the removal of the, of the dot is only an issue of safek of what happened in the meantime, right? That's what we said before, right? On the previous, um, on the previous daf. Because, um, because it, it, but so, but according to Rish Lakisha could work. According to Rish Lakisha could work. That the problem is not because according to Rabbi Yochanan, it should still be an issue of tumah. That maybe it became tamei because he says that the whole problem when you're not paying attention is maybe it became tamei. And there we're saying that no, when they planted that tumah on the ground, it doesn't become tamei. It loses its tumah, but the kohanim can't eat it. Why? Oh, because Rish Lakish said that the mere fact that they put it out of their mind makes it invalid. Okay, that, so so he said. What did Ravin say about this? He didn't like it very. They, I mean, Rabbi Yirmiya didn't like this very much. Rabbi Yirmiya said a, a pretty famous quote that appears in uh, more than one place. Actually, it appears in a couple places. We've actually seen it before in uh, in, in Zvachim Nachot. He said, the foolish Babylonians, mishum because they live in a dark yeah. neighborhood, because they lived in a valley, like it's lower than sea level. They say teachings that are dark, meaning they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. These they're not clear-headed people like us Israelis. We're much, you know, we Israelis, we know what we're talking about. It's like pretty much the same as today, you know? The same, you know, they, they have the yeah, same mentality. These people don't know what they're talking about. The diaspora Jews, you know, they're confused with all this nonsense. They need to come to Israel and they would get the right idea, right? Didn't you hear what Rabbi Shimon Lakish said in the name of Rabbi Yoshea? That Me'achag, Me'achag is talking about in Sukkot, the Nisuch uh, Hamayim. They would gather the water and they would pour the water onto the Mizbeach. It was a special, uh, it's actually Halachal Mishinai. It's not written explicitly in the Torah. It's hinted at in the Torah a little bit. It's not written explicitly there. But they would have this water, and if it became tamei, so ishikan v'charkach ikdishan toreen ikdishan v'charkach ishikan tameim. So what they would do was, if it became water, can become tamei. So let's say the water that they drew for this purpose of the meachag became tamei. So they can do a hashaka. Hashaka is a trick that you can do to purify water. It only works with water, which is basically you touch it to mikveh water very briefly. So you have it. We learned about it many times before. Basically, what you do is you take. And, and I mean, it's actually done even to make mikvaot. So basically, what they can take tap water and they do hashaka, meaning they connect the tap water to the mikveh water and it becomes like mikveh water. So it's like, uh, it's the magic of uh, mikvaot. So what they can do is here also, if they have ma'im tme'im, they have it in a, in a container, they lower the container into the mikveh and it touches for one second the surface of that water and that water becomes tahor. They could do that if they did not sanctify the water yet. If it became tamei before it was sanctified. But once they sanctify the water, they can't do it anymore. So it says, The question is, why shouldn't it work after you sanctify it? What's the difference in the order. Whether you sanctified it and then you touched it to the mikveh or not, if it, if it purifies the water, it should purify the water regardless. So the answer is, Alma in dish. So you see that it doesn't, Zriya means planting, literally, but because it's also called Zriya, the, the plant, replanting of the water in the mikveh, so, so to speak, planting, right? So you see it doesn't work. The same thing is true about Truma. In other words, the, what he's explaining is that what, the concept of Ma'ala Asuchachamim Bakodesh, that they made a str- really, you could make it pure, but they, they wanted a str- greater stringency with Kodesh. They didn't want you playing around with something that's already sacred. They didn't want you playing around with it, oh, dip it in the mikveh, make it pure, plant it in the ground, make it pure again. So something that was already declared as Truma, they said, don't plant it in the ground, 
in a, it's true technically that if you plant it in the ground, it's going to lose its tumah. It won't be able to transmit tumah. But we're not going to let the Kohanim eat that because that's like already a trick that they're doing with something that was already sacred that they're putting it in the ground in order to alleviate the tumah so they can eat it. We're not going to let them do that. Sim- just like the water, once it's already sacred water and then they put it into them, we're not going to let them go into them. Even though true, it will remove the tumah, but we're not going to let them get away with it because they made ma'alasu chachamim ba'kodesh. They made a special rule that kodesh, we have to treat it with a little bit more sensitivity. We can't do it like that. Now, So Rav Dimi said this over. There's a lot of broken telephone going on here. You know, one saying this and the other one saying the other one. Is this only true about when they put it actually in a vessel for the purpose of the, uh, of the uh, you know, the, the sacred vessel or if they consecrate the water meaning they say with the mouth this water is going to be Maim Kedoshim. Is that enough that already we have this stringency that you can't redeem it from impurity by dipping it in the mikveh? Or no, only if they put it in the actual vessel that it's going to be used during the, you know, one of the Klei Kodesh. Only when it's in the Klei Kodesh. Right? So Amal Lehi said to him, Zolo Shemate, I never heard. But Keyotzeba Shemate, I heard something similar. Dama Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Yochanan, Anavim Shintmud, Derechan, Vachar Kachik Dishan Tori, Dishan Vachar Kachik Dishan Tori, that Rabbi Yochanan said, Rabbi Abba was saying Rabbi Yochanan, that if you have if you have grapes that they became tame, if you squeeze out the liquid and then you consecrated the liquid afterwards, right? You consecrated it, so that's okay. The, the, you, it, it'll, it'll be okay. But if you consecrated first and then you squeezed it out, so uh, so then it's going to be tame. So obviously these grapes are sanctified by the mouth. There, there's no vessel that they go in. So. Um, so I said, but even the, even so, the rabbi said that if now if the um, so Rashi says that we're talking about obviously grapes that you were going to use for that you're going to use the wine for kodesh. That's the assumption. The assumption of the is that we're talking about you're using it for kodesh, just like the water is going to be used for nisuch pouring on the mizbeach. So we're talking about grapes that you were going to use for, to squeeze out to take the wine and to make them into uh, and to make them into nisachim uh, to make them into wine. And so the for 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 the nisuch what? The right. So seemingly that has to be the case, right? So we're so we're talking about right. So like we talked about it before, right? That if the grades became tamay and you squeeze it out, you could still salvage the uh, the liquid, right? So the thing is, hikdishan. If you already consecrated the grapes before that they're going to be for kodesh, and then you squeeze it out, so they were not. We're going to say they became tamay. So Rashi says the avud rabanan kodeshim the mitamei mashkei maochet. We're going to say that just like the the fruit became tamay, the liquid is also going to become tamay, right? And even though in another context, Rabbi Yochanan said that whatever was inside the grapes is separate, the juice is separate from the fruit. But here we're not going to do that. Right, the inaminitalakli and klimek kadeshan and klisharet mekadeshah davar ruilo. They they don't put the, the the person who's preparing the grape juice is not the one who puts it into the uh, into the cleave for the nisucha hayayin. So this is not going to be so so the, the he's not putting it into a vessel, the vessel that's the service vessel. He's putting it into a regular container. Okay, so the thing is. Since it's only done bape, he said, I'm consecrating these, these grapes to be used for wine libation. And then the grapes are squeezed out. Since he said that before, and then the grapes became tame, we're not going to say the leniency that, oh, well, the extraction from the grapes is okay. We're not going to say that. But if he squeezed it out first and they became tame in the process of the guy squeezing it out, maybe the guy is tame himself or whatever, became tame and he's squeezing it out. Uh, then we could say that the grape juice, and then he says on the grape juice, I want to make this kodesh. That's okay. That's going to be okay. 
right? So that so but but the, so and you so you see from that that even though the consecration was only done by the mouth that he said I'm con- he didn't have to put it in a special vessel to make it considered kodesh. He just said I'm going to use this these grapes for nisachim, and automatically we have a rule that we're going to treat the extraction from that more strictly. Okay, so now he says, no, you're wrong. But he says, it's not right because you're talking about grapes. We're not talking about grapes of Kodesh. Okay, so the thing is that it, it could be you, that case of Rabbi Yochanan wasn't talking about Nisachim. It wasn't talking about um, libations because libations go in a vessel. And maybe when the item eventually will be put in a service vessel to complete its Kiddushah, we don't consider it Kodesh until it, res- it is in the vessel. But when it comes to these grapes are grapes of Truma, not grapes of Kodesh. And grapes of Truma don't go in a special service vessel. They're just eaten by the Kohen. So therefore it's saying the, the end of the road of sanctifying these grapes is with the mouth. When you say, I'm making this Truma. So if you sanctify them beforehand and then extract the juice, so we're not going to let you take advantage of that uh, chidush that they're not going to become tamay because you already sanctified them and that's the full sanctification that these grapes get as truma. So we're not going. There's no higher level, right? Whereas if you squeezed it out and then you wanted to declare it as truma, we would say that that's okay. But when it comes to nisachim, when it comes to libations of wine, where there they event, even the squeezing out of the wine is not enough. You have to then put it into a special vessel for it to become completely holy. So then maybe only at that point we would we would use the idea, the concept that uh, that were that avud rabbanan ma'ala that they made a uh, they made a stringency and a higher standard for kodesh only when its kodesh is complete, its kedusha is complete. But maybe the kedusha is not complete in the case of wine until it goes into the vessel. With the water also, maybe just drawing the water in whatever container they drew it in, maybe that itself is not considered to be its full Kiddushah until they put it in the vessel. Then if it becomes Tameh, you can't put it into the mikveh. But maybe when it's in that vessel, the transport vessel or whatever, maybe it still could be put in the mikveh. You can't prove from there which way. Now the other question is, well, uh, an, another problem, which you should have seen right away, which is that here Rabbi Yochanan is saying that you seem like, seems like you can squeeze as many grapes as you want. Right? right? And before, Omeyam Rabbi Yochanan, Achibam Rabbi Yochanan, just yesterday, yeah. Rabbi Yochanan said to us, that, that you're only allowed to do it a little bit at a time. Why? Because if you have a kabitzah worth, an egg's worth of grape, and you squeeze out the juice, then it's going to become tamay from the grape. Probably assuming right? that... Uh, well, yeah, that's one possibility. Exactly. One is that he's just assuming that you knew that already. Right? He doesn't have to repeat himself every single time. Right? So, um, so therefore, he already told you that it has to be less than kabitzah. So when he says this, obviously, you should know that he's only talking about less than a kabitzah. That's the, that's the practical answer. Right? That's one possibility. That there's a difference between what is the status of these grapes. In other words, if these grapes receive their tumah from a rishon, so that they're a sheni. Okay, so that, in that case, there's a greater concern because anything that is a sheni will make liquids a rishon. That's a rule that we have in, the, that's a derabanan rule, but it's a rule that we learned throughout the Shas, that the rabbis made in Zerah that anything that is kola poselata truma, anything that can make truma pasul, which means anything which is a sheni letuma or higher, will make mayim, will make water, or a mashkim rather, right, uh, a rishon letuma. So there, therefore, that if these grapes are uh, a shenilatum'ah, so then you have to be very careful 
to, uh, to use very little because they can actually make the liquid into a Rishon Tumah. However, if they touched a Shenila Tumah, so the grapes themselves were only a Shlishila Tumah, so then it doesn't matter how much because a Shlishila Tumah will not make liquid into a Rishon Tumah. And, and in fact, Shlishila Tumah is only relevant for Kodesh. It doesn't even work in Trumah. Truma, in Trumah, that's the end of the line. It's called Pasul. It wouldn't be able to do anything. So here Rabbi Yochanan is talking about a case where um, when you have a case that the, uh, that the grapes are already a Shlishila Tumah, so therefore you don't have to worry uh, about it making the uh, liquid that comes out of Rishon the Tumah. And, uh, we're on, but still, he would say that if you had already consecrated those grapes as truma before you squeezed it and they became tamay, so we're not going to then let you use the funny you know, rule that, well, the extract is not considered the same as the fruit and therefore it's just like a shlishi is touching, a, is touching the liquid and it can't really make the liquid tamay, so it's going to be okay. If it's that you squeezed it out first and then you wanted to make the grape juice uh, into truma, that would be okay. Because since you did it afterwards, he'll say, okay, you're right. Well, the extract from the shlishi l'tumah is not considered like a shlishi l'tumah, so it's okay. It depends what order you did it in, according to that, right? So the two possibilities are either in all cases, you always have to use less than a kabitza, or if the grapes are shlishi l'tumah, so then it would be okay to use a lot, because, um, because then you don't have to worry, actually, about them becoming tamay. The only question is, do we consider the liquid a derivative of the original or uh, on the same level as the original? If you, if you treat it as on the same level, so he's saying if you consecrated the grapes before, you have to treat the juice that comes out also as on the same level, and it's going to be shlishi l'tumah, it's going to be pasul for truma. If you can, if you say that it's uh, that it's uh, that, you know if you already squeezed out the grape juice and then you want to concentrate it that would be okay. We said, right? We said on but if they're shlishi, yeah. it's really Right, it would be nifsilu. Yeah, I mean it would be for kodesh it would be because um, right? yeah, but then that's what they corrected it if to be. Yeah, kodesh then this process is not gonna work because we said kodesh goes to revi. Yeah, but yeah. The, the juice, the juice coming off the shlishi is gonna be pasul. Right, because it touches the shlishi. Yeah. yeah, that would be a problem for that. Yeah. So, so now, in case of Terumai, yeah, this is this is not This is talking about a um, about the paraduma. Uh, so it says you put the living water, the water that's run from the flowing source into the uh, into the vessel. So it says they have to always be in the kli. So Rashi says Rashi's interpretation Tosafot really doesn't like. Okay, but we're just gonna go with it because um, he 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 even dismisses it. He says Upirush Rashi dachuk, like he doesn't even bother. Uh, Dealing with it, but that's okay. So the Rashi says, um, he says that, had, that we also learned that the rabbis, Rashi explains that, that what it's talking about now is that even when they just consecrate something by mouth, it, be, it, it, it attains a level of Kedusha and they, they treat it more strictly. It says, because first one Pasuk says, and Rashi says, meaning you can only have one container. The original container that you drew the water from the Mayan, from the spring, has to be the same one that you put the ashes of the Paraduma. You can't bring another one. You shouldn't transfer it. But on the other hand, Rashi says, So there's two psukim that seem to contradict each other. One that says, that you uh, that you put it into one clean, you could transfer it, and the other one that says no, you can't transfer it. You have to be; it has to be direct. So ela mala hachanami mala. So so Rashi says ela mala be'alma hu midira banan shetechiyutan bakli v'asmurah banan akra. So really, technically, they could have meaning Rashi saying really technically, you could have gathered it in another vessel and then transferred it to this one. But since you are by taking it, you're verbally consecrating it to be the water for 
the para aduma. So then you don't want to then transfer it to another kli because it's um, because it's now disrespectful, right? So he says that really they, it's only the rabbanan. She says Baba, the Israel So the same thing is, in other words, the same concept that we're saying by truma that we're saying here by the waters of the, that we're saying by nisachim nisuchamayim, and now we're also saying by para aduma that once it attains a level of kedusha, we treat it with a higher standard. And he's saying that even though. Um, even though the, uh, the, the Torah allows you to transfer it from vessel to vessel, the rabbi said, no, we're going to be more strict and we're going to say that you can't do that because once you're saying these are Mayim Kedoshim, you shouldn't be transferring it from vessel to vessel. You should be more strict. Okay. We also learned. It says if a person finished their day of Tum'ah, they went to the Mikveh, they finished their day, right? Once they are at Tevulyom, they can already eat Maser. They don't have to worry. Right? So they're already allowed to eat Maser. And, uh, meaning Maser Shani, they could already eat. And then, once they, um, once they uh, finish their day, they can eat Shumah, but not Kodashi. So, Amai, Taoru. What's the reason why? Ela Ma'ala, Hachanami Ma'ala. Meaning that, uh, that if he's a Zav or a Zavar or a Givalet that we're talking about, that they have to bring a Korban also to complete their purification. So we know that they're not allowed to eat from the Kodashim until they bring the Korban. Even though the person effectively is really Tahor. So really he should be able to eat Kodashim right away because he fin- let's say Azab finished his seven clean days and now he went to the, he immersed, he comes out. So what's the problem? Why can't he eat, why can't he only eat Trumat, not, not, not Korbanot? Why? He says, oh, Ma'ala'asu. Really he should be able to. But he, he has to wait because the rabbis made a stringency about Kodesh. They didn't want a person who had any like vestige of his old status that he still has to bring a Korban the next day to be partaking of Korbanot. They were being strict. Right? So it's, when it talked about um, uh, things that uh, that uh, you're not allowed to, uh, that when it talks about, uh, uh, you know, generally when the Torah talks about things that are tamay that are kodesh, it's talking about the meat of korbanot. But it says this is the rabot taitzim ulevona, right? That wood and levona, which are not edible, also have the same tumas as meat. Okay, but it says taitzim ulevona benet itmuyenenu. Similarly, in other words, the same concept that even though it's true that they're not edible, since we're dealing with Kodesh, we apply a rule of Tum'ah to these items that wouldn't normally have a, a law of Tum'ah applied to them, meaning that the rabbis made Kodesh more sensitive to Tum'ah in order to give us a sense of the importance and the, the sanctity of it, even though, technically speaking, these Tum'ot are not, uh, are not genuine Tum'ot. The one thing that's very interesting here that I thought uh, that I thought was interesting is that it said it, it, he, from here it sounds like that if a tivulyom uh, azav who's a tivulyom uh, wants to eat korbanot before he brings his korban that it's a drabanan but you know because it says here ma'ala asu that's for mechusar kippurim right mechusar kippurim not tivulyom that's what I meant. Yeah, I meant mechusar kibburim. Right. So meaning, uh, once the person finished the uh, finish, right, mechusar kibburim. So what, what? So but normally, I never saw. It always seemed like mechusar kibburim is midiraita, not allowed to, not allowed to eat korbanot. Here it sounds like it's only a rabbinic thing that the, the mechusar kibburim can, because normally we say that like in the beginning of even masachet bachot. Where it talks about, oh yeah, Kohen, that's uh, it, uh, when it comes to the evening, he's allowed to eat the truma, but not kodashim. And it's a, you know, and then there's a whole discussion over that says, oh, he, but his, his korban is not me'akiv from eating truma. It's only me'akiv from eating kodashim. But it sounds like that's a deal right there. Here it's something that's only rabbinic. That it really, once the Zav finishes all of his purification, even if he didn't bring his uh, korban yet, he's allowed to Maybe you could say Very actually differently. Maybe you could yeah. say that from here we learn that the Torah even does Oh, much. oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, maybe. 
Maybe that's what it means. This is the, where they learn it from. They learn it from. Right, so it doesn't have to be that... that uh, really, t- the flaws of Tuma really end at that point, like in the typical Tuma sense. Right, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. I, w- I wish Rashi said that. I was like hoping Rashi would say something like that. Yeah. Does he? No. No, he doesn't say anything like that? No. Yeah, he does say that. But, uh, yeah, but that, that's a good approach, so that makes sense. Okay. Is that a shame, everyone? Have a, 